So I hope that tune gets in your brain. And if nothing else, if you remember that, you'll remember the point of today and what we're doing together. Hey, we're going to get back to God in just a moment. If you're a guest, you don't need to feel obligated, but that's a part of what we do as Christians is to give back to God, a percentage of what he's given to us just to say thanks. And so uh, I was thinking about uh, recently, we have had um, just stuff. I mean, we have had we have had a terrible shooting in Las Vegas and lost people. We have had fires. Um, uh, we, I, call, I had my assistant. I said, hey, call so-and-so. They go to our church. I know they live out there. I see if they're okay. And they call us. I don't know. It's not even close to us. They called back later in the afternoon and said, thanks for calling. It was actually very close to us. We had to evacuate our horses. I'm glad you called. And so we've had stuff. You know, we've lost some people that, we, you know, that have connections to our congregation. Uh, in other situations, I had some friends who had some bad diagnosis. It's just a lot of heavy stuff lately. And in my prayer time, I felt like I ought to just remind us of something really important. And um, so uh, I was thinking about that song, and I was thinking about a story that happened when my son was small. We had just moved to California, didn't know anybody, didn't have much of a congregation. But one of the few people that came to our congregation was a college girl whose dad was the founder of Royal Family Kids Camp, Wayne Tesh. And Wayne invited my little uh, son and I to go on a camping trip uh, with him um, to uh, a sandbar down below Ensenada. And uh, and so we, we went, and, and, uh, and, and it was fun, and, and, and Cody was having a great time. You know, he, was, he wasn't very big. And I, I can't remember exactly how old he was. He still had a blankie, so he was like, he was under 12, because uh, he carried one until he was about 12. But anyway, junior high, we said no more. But anyways, um, so, uh, so we get there, and we had this great time, and, you know, Cody's four or five, whatever it is, and, you know, we make marshmallows and hot dogs and, you know, all this stuff, and we have a great time, and, and Wayne is a big guy. Wayne is big. He was a basketball player in college and, and big guy, and, and so we had a, he brought a little tent, and so we had this little tiny tent, and the three of us, me and him and, and Cody, and, uh, and so in the middle of the night, a storm hit. Like, and so we're in this sandbar, there's a big lagoon on this side, and the ocean on this side, and it's maybe 100 yards across or something maybe, and it just wipes out the camp. I mean, wipes it out. The only tent still standing in the morning was our little tiny tent that the three of us were in, because it couldn't go anywhere, because we're holding it down. And, uh, and what was so amazing is during the night, I mean, it took the boats and took them out to sea, and it was just a mess. And, and between us and where we had parked, there was a lagoon. We didn't have any boats to get across the lagoon. And they did find, eventually find some on the other side somewhere, washed it somewhere. And then this field between the car and what was the coast has now flooded, so it's all water. So we're stuck for several days. We can't get out. What's the most amazing about that is during the night, the wind is whipping, and, and I'm laying next to Cody, eyes wide open. I got one hand kind of across him, and the other one kind of above his head, protecting him from hitting, the tent was hitting at my arm, so I was kind of protecting his head, and I kind of was like that all night, no sleep, of course. I'm like, that kid slept like a rock, like a, he had no clue that what was happening because he was safe in his father's arms. Now, what he didn't know is Pop couldn't do anything about this one. His dad had no ability to fix anything on that deal, but he knew that I would do my best. Now, unlike me, our Heavenly Father can do something about the storms in our life. And we are truly safe in our Father's arms. And so today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about in, in times of upheaval, in times I think where one of the enemy's greatest tools against us is fear, whether it comes from what we see in media or social media or just our own phobias or whatever, anxieties, I think fear is this huge thing. And I think we need to stop and own what Scripture, scripture teaches us, that we are safe. 
that we are safe. And you say, well, I don't know. I know the world we live in. Yes, but you are safe. And so I want to talk about what it means to truly be safe and why we can be safe at all times. So I want to, I want to, I want to begin with uh, this, this, uh, this idea that there is unseen help available. That what we see in the world is not all there is. A materialistic worldview says all there is in the world is what we can see. But that's not true. You can't see a breeze, but you can feel it. You can't see love, but we know it exists, right? There is more. Well, uh, there is much more. I was uh, a couple years ago, I was in Colorado and I was driving out of this town and, and along the road there was a guardrail and it was kind of a little drop off into a really dense forest. And, um, and as I'm driving up and, and on a highway, so people are going 60, 70 miles an hour, I see something small uh, kind of moving along and I thought it was a dog or something moving along this guardrail. And every once in a while I would stop and try to get through and I couldn't get through. And then I got there and realized it was a little tiny bear cub. This cutest little bear cub. And I begin to slow down to pull over to help this bear cub. <laughs> exactly. Then I sped up and kept going. Because my thought was where there's a bear cub, there is an unseen power somewhere nearby. And she might not take kindly. However, I did notice in my rearview mirror that somebody else stopped and got out. Foolish. But anyway. <laughs> I... I Again, in like the, not even that much later than that, I was up in Northern California, my brother-in-law and I, and we're out and we are driving and it's not a main highway. And we see what is obviously a fresh kill from a mountain lion. And there's steam, I don't want to be too graphic, but there's steam and, and it was in mid-feeding, let's put it that way, I'm assuming, when our car came up. We didn't see it, but we could see obvious evidence of its, of its having been there. And so I jump out to go look at this deer lying there. And about, uh, and so I walk up to it and about here I realize I'm probably not the only one looking at this deer right now, am I? <laughs> yeah, I look back at my brother-in-law and he's going, what are you, dumb? Obviously, he's guarding its kill somewhere. Why are you in such an idiot? So I got back in the car. So now, I, I don't care if you're in the sidewalk dying. I'm not getting out. I just, I've learned my lesson. No. One of the things that we need to remember as Christians is, just because you see bad circumstances, and they may be bad in reality, but that may not be all there is happening. That there may be a God who you don't see who is at work in that very situation. So not only can you not see the outcomes, you can't even see the protection that he has for you. I want you to listen to this, this passage. This passage is found in 2 Kings 6. And what it is, is the king of Aram is attacking Israel, and he keeps setting these traps. And, and he's hoping that the, the, the Israelite army and the king of Israel will come through there and he'll wipe them out. But every time he sets a trap, um, before he can spring the trap, uh, the king seems to know, the king of Israel seems to know not to go there. And so the, the, the king of Aaron goes, um, all right, we've got a spy among us. We've got a leak. Who's telling the Israelites? All of his guys are like, it's not us. It's not us. It's Elisha, that prophet guy, the man of God, that guy. He keeps telling the king. And so he sends an army to go wipe out Elisha. And he goes to the city of Dothan, and, and, which probably wasn't a big city. But, and he goes there to wipe him out. And so what happens in the morning is... is uh, Elisha's assistant comes out and sees this huge army, army there to wipe them out. So here, here's the, we'll pick it up in, in 2 Kings 6, 16. It says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> Just imagine the assistant going, hundreds, two. 
Your math is off, dude. Your math is way off. And then here's what happens. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What happened was that God somehow allowed this assistant to see the spiritual forces that were there. And you're saying, oh, that's kind of... Do you doubt that there are spiritual forces at work in the world? I don't think there's any other explanation for some of the terrible evil that happens in the world. It's not just people making bad decisions. There is evil. But there's good. And the good, the God, is greater than evil. And the battle is fought in our minds, our hearts, and in the world every day. And so while we're looking at a circumstance, we're saying this is nothing but evil, we don't realize that God may be at work as well. And that God will eventually have the victory, always. And we can depend on that, and we can count on that. Now, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, my guardian angel. Uh, well, a couple things. One thing, a lot of people think that when we die, we become angels. It's not true. We, if we're Christians, we go to heaven. We don't become angels. Angels were created by God. And the idea of a guardian angel, it might not be that far off. It may be such that God has assigned um, to you the forces that would, would help protect you and guide you and work with you uh, in addition to the Holy Spirit. It's not that far off. So we need to understand that there is a battle going on, and yet God is so much greater, and we can trust his greatness. It's not two equal forces battling. It is a great God and a lesser evil. And if we choose God, God's will will be done. So um, an unseen force. Some of the greatest, the, the, the places we experience the greatest fears may be the places where we're most safe. In 1 John 4, 4. Um, by the way, in this talk today, I'm going to give you a lot of passages. And I'm going to try to list them on our website uh, this week. But, uh, but if, you, if you struggle with anxiety and worry and fear, go back and listen to this again and write down those passages and memorize them. One of the greatest tools you have to deal with worry and fear is God's word, to claim the promises. God, you said this about yourself and about what that means to me, and claim these promises. This is one of them right here, 1 John 4, 18. Or excuse me, 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In other words, greater is he who is in me. Who is that? Jesus Christ, because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Greater is Christ than any opposition, any circumstance I will ever face. Greater is he who is in me than whatever it is I'm facing. It is a simple truth, and yet it is powerful if we can learn to live by it. Dallas Willard said this, if we are in Christ, if we are Christ followers, the universe is a perfectly safe place for us to be. It doesn't feel very safe these days, does it? We're told every day it's not safe. Now, but there is a prerequisite here. There is uh, an issue here, and we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Uh, in John, First uh, John 4.18 this time, there is no fear in love. And this gives us a key to the prerequisite. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. So here's the picture. The picture is this. If I am in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if I've come to believe in Jesus Christ, I've not only allowed him to forgive my sins and promise me heaven forever, but he is my Lord, my, my director now, then I am in a loving relationship with him. And where there is love, fear and love can't coexist. You can't truly love someone that you're afraid of, and you can't live in fear when you're in a relationship with God. 
And so in this loving relationship with God, it casts out fear. And so whenever you feel fear, return to and, and, and return your mind and your focus to your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Return to that. And I'll talk about more what that means in a moment. Perfect love casts out fear. Another one you want to memorize. Perfect love casts out fear. When you're feeling afraid, you're not feeling loved. And the reason you're not feeling loved is you're not focusing on him. You're focusing on the stuff or whatever it is you're afraid of, all right? But the prerequisite here. So uh, the key is to be in Christ, is to be a Christ follower. Here's the problem. Nothing I say today applies to you if you're not a Christian. Not because I'm a bad guy or a mean guy or trying to be offensive. It's just that all the promises are based on us having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to be really honest. Again, not trying to be offensive. I'll be really honest. If, if I weren't a Christian, I'd be very afraid. There are all kinds kind of things to fear. There are all kinds of things to be afraid of. But as a Christian, I have given my life over to him, not just for forgiveness and not just for heaven, but for protection and care and direction and guidance here and now. And I trust him with that. The prerequisite is to know him. Listen, listen to this passage, another one you may want to memorize. And we know that in all things, how many things? All things. Which ones did he leave out? None. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Love him and call according to his purpose. Well, I don't really have a calling in life. Sure you do. Are you a, are you a mom or a dad? You're called to be a great Christian mom and dad. Are you, are you a brother or a sister? Are you an employee? Uh, God has called you to be a Christian, whatever that is. You have been called. You've been called to follow Christ, if nothing else. And when we live according to the love relationship with him and living out the calling he has on our life, he works all things together for good. I hear people oftentimes in, 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 in troublesome times saying, well, you know, things have a way of working out. No, they don't, except if you're in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I have someone who can work things out for my good. That in the end, his will will be done in my life. But if I'm not a Christian, then I, that's not really true. And so if I live uh, uh, according to this loving relationship with God because of Jesus Christ, and according to this calling in my life to be a Christ follower, Unsafe places are actually safe. Think about the lion's den. Unsafe place. And yet, that's where he was supposed to be. And we're still talking about it because it was actually a safe place. Talk about Pharaoh's prison for Joseph or the bottom of the Red Sea as the Israelites escaped from Egypt. Or a little fishing boat in the middle of a storm where they thought they were going to drown, recruiting the disciples and Jesus. Those are actually safe places to be. When you're in his will... It is the safest place to be. And so I just want to begin with that God is at work, and you may not see it. The second thing is you're never alone. Even when, it's a, I, little kids, I love little kids walking into a dark house or a dark hallway. You know, they start making noise and stuff. And, and Daddy, walk with me because somehow not being alone is helpful. We are never alone in life. We are just, a part of what we, why we can feel safe is we're not alone. We fear all kinds of things. We fear death. We fear loneliness. We fear failure. We fear rejection. But all of these are answered by the fact that God is with us and loves us. That Christ himself guaranteed that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Let me just talk about a few of these. Death. We're all afraid of death because death is unnatural. God didn't intend death. It's a part of the fall. It's a part of uh, humankind having sinned. And yet as Christians, we need not fear it because we know what happens. We know what happens after death for Christians. We go to heaven to be with our Heavenly Father. Let me read this in Romans 8, 38. And, and remember, this loving relationship with Christ changes everything. We read this last week. For I am convinced that neither death 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, this love changes everything and we will not be separated even by death. What about being alone? Matthew 28, 20 says, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is Christ talking. What about failure? Philippians 4, 13. A lot of people take this out of context and think it makes them jump higher and faster or get better cars. It's not this at all. I can do all things. Another one to memorize, by the way. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What this is about is that when troubled times come, when difficulty comes, the context of this passage, when life is hard, I can deal with it with Christ's help. He can strengthen me to walk through it. So I don't fear failure. Rejection, John 15, 18. The world hates you. Keep in mind it hated me first. He is with us. And not only is he with us, but he empathizes, has been whatever we're walking through. He's been there and understands. So God is at work, even if you can't see him. You're never alone, and you're never really at risk. As Christ followers, we're never really at risk because even death itself can't defeat us. Matthew 8, 23 tells a great story about this because it, when we realize that his love is with us and that we're never really at risk, we begin to live a different kind of life. Here's the story. Um, uh, Jesus and the disciples are out in the boat, see a galley, see a galley whips up a, a storm and, and the waves are, are, are crashing over the boat. And here's, here's the story in Matthew 8, 23. Then he got in the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was sleeping. This is a valuable thing, by the way. This is a valuable point here. Remember the first story I told you about my son, right? He was asleep because he had full confidence that I could protect him. He was wrong, but he had full confidence. Okay? Now, listen to this. The same thing is true here. Jesus is asleep because he has full confidence that God could protect him. As a matter of fact, one might call it a settled conviction, if you will, and he could rest. The disciples went and woke him and saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And listen to what he replies. You of little faith, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and everything was completely calm. What would Jesus say to you and I about all of our worrying and all of our anxiety? What would he say? Oh, you of little faith. Don't you know I've got this? Don't you have confidence in your Heavenly Father who could create you, who could redeem you, who could promise you eternity? He can handle whatever little piddly thing is going on. And even if it's a huge thing, He can handle it. See, the picture of Jesus being asleep is very important. So I, I talked about sheep last week. We were going to talk about sheep in the 23rd Psalm. And, uh, and, and uh, sheep, uh, when, when, they, when a shepherd puts them down for the uh, to rest or whatever. He has to take care of the environment. He has to make sure that there's, they're not afraid of predators, uh, that, that even the bugs that would bug them would keep them awake. And so we would anoint their face. He would put oil in that the bugs didn't like to keep them away. And he would just make them as comfortable as possible so they could rest. Because they could be confident. No predators, bugs, right? One of the things that we find is he's asleep because he has full confidence in God's ability to take care of him. Some of you can't sleep, some of you for many reasons, but some of you can't sleep because you're worrying, because you've got to do it, because somebody's got to do it, and it has to be you, because you have a special gift. <laughs> what if I suggested that that's not a special gift? That's not even a gift. That's maybe even a sin. See, 
if we're worrying, it's because we're not trusting. I'm not saying we live in denial. I'm not saying you stay in bed and the fire's coming up the back hill into your house. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that we worry over things that we can't affect and we can't fix when we could trust God with them and be at rest. Jesus wasn't just sitting there going, oh, that was an interesting storm. He was asleep. He was at total rest because he trusted God. What would it be like for us to be completely trusting in God in whatever situation we're facing? Do what you can do and trust him with the rest. So a part of what I think has happened in our society is that we've come to believe that we're to live anxious, worried lives. That's just how life is. We're in a hurry. We've got to get things done because, well, we don't know why, but we just do. And there are lots of things that we're, what would happen if we could just come to fully rest in that, that confidence, that settled conviction that God has got my life in his hands? What would happen in my life? Would I be less anxious, less worried in general, less worried about even my own inadequacies? I don't know, I'm going to raise these kids. Well, guess what? God's there to help you. It'll be okay. Um, we would find ourselves feeling less guilty and more willing to risk being obedient. You see, obedience to God feels a lot like a risk, when in reality, it may be the safest thing we can do, but it feels like a risk to be obedient to God. Here's a part of what we need to realize, that the point of life is not to stay safe. Some of us have began to live our lives and been inculcated with the idea, maybe from an overprotective mom or dad or something, or, or just decided that the point of life is to stay safe. Just, just stay safe. Just be okay. The point of life is to avoid death. Well, guess what? You're going to fail because death is about 100%, right? It gets all of us eventually. So what if we understood that life isn't about avoiding death or staying safe, but about growing? What if life is about growing and becoming more like Jesus? What if it's about exercising courage, taking risks that God leads you to so that you can become more like Christ? You see, if you adopt the attitude that your whole point of life is to stay safe or to stay comfortable, which is a close one to it, then you're going to miss the point. There's only one really, truly safe place, and it's in your mother's womb, but there are certain growth restrictions. <laughs> right? And the truth is, if we don't get out, and we don't explore, and we don't step out and risk where God calls us to, we'll never grow to be more like Jesus. And yet, there is this underlying kind of mindset that we have that so I, so I had a thing this week, and, and a couple of guys are here. Uh, in my rooted group, we had to answer this one question, so I led one of the groups, and I went first to answer the question. And I, and I got halfway through, and I realized I'm just fumbling this, because I'm, I'm not really, you know, I talk for a living, but it wasn't going well. And I apologized to the guys, and I said, I don't, and I went home and realized that I had not articulated it well, because I hadn't really identified it very well. And so in, in preparing for this talk, it dawned on me what I, what I, uh, I have bought into on some level, even though I, I know it's not true. And here it is, and maybe you've bought into this too. It's the happily ever after that I was told as a child. You see, we are told that so-and-so happened, so-and-so, and they lived happily ever after, right? Do you know anybody who's lived happily ever after on this earth? You see, what happens is we buy into this, and, and we just believe if I can get the right mate, I'll live happily ever after. <laughs> anyway, um, the work just starts when you get the right mate, right? Um, if I can get the right job uh, and work 30 years and then I can retire and I'll live happily ever after. I realized that what had snuck into my consciousness on some level is that there would be a day, someday here on this earth, where my work was done and I could live happily ever after. 
Not even just retirement, just some point where I could sit on the front porch and rock in the chair and not have any responsibilities. The problem is God called me to know him, to worship him, to love him, and to tell others. At what point do you think God's going to send me a note and go, okay, you're good. Just kind of just cruise the rest of your life. No more telling people about my love. No more worshiping me. You're good. Live happily ever after. It's not going to happen on this side, is it? It's a false expectation. It's not true. It won't happen. And so at some level, we begin to live as if there's a day coming when it's all going to be easy, but it's not on this side. There's no day coming when I won't feel the obligation to tell people about my faith because it's the best thing ever happened to me. There's not a day coming where I won't, I won't need to spend time in prayer to keep myself on track and because God deserves the thanksgiving that I offer. There won't be a day like that. And yet we are told again and again in our society there's a happily ever after. When you retire, when you get whatever. It's not true. Life is going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. There will be battles to be fought in my mind if nowhere else. But it's okay. I'm safe because the outcomes are taken care of. I don't need to seek safety and comfort. I need to seek him. I need to seek him. One of the things that I would recommend is that... um, is that you not try to stay safe. I mean, don't go play in traffic. Don't be stupid. God doesn't honor that. But, but trying to stay safe all the time just leads to stagnation and death. you got to step out and do what God calls you to do. That's the edge of your faith growth. And if you find yourself worried, don't focus on what it is that you're worried about. You can give those to God, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But focus on Him. Focus on Jesus, because the reason I'm worried is I don't really trust that God can take care of me. And so the more I, I find this in my own life, if I'm not really serious about my prayer time with God and studying the Word, I find that I start being anxious about this, and i got to fix everything. But when I focus on Him, I'm reminded how powerful He is. And in light of His power, my stuff gets a lot smaller. Do you know what I'm saying? So oftentimes when we're in trouble, go, okay, i got to talk to you about this. And I've learned to force myself not to talk about that, because it's just honoring that thing but I'll talk to God about who God is. And as I talk to God about who he is, this stuff gets small enough I can give it to him. And so to live without fear is to focus on God and his power and his goodness and his character and his love for you. Do you guys get that? Because sometimes a place God calls us doesn't feel safe. Taking on a giant with a couple of stones in your pocket and a slingshot doesn't sound that great, but kind of turned out okay. And we find that defying Pharaoh and leading people out of slavery was a pretty good deal, but didn't make sense on paper. We can trust God. We can trust His character. Here's what Colossians 3.16 says. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Two things. You want to overcome worry and fear? Read God's Word and sing His Word. Sing His praises. Turn on Christian music and sing that. The other stuff's just going to make you want other stuff that won't fulfill you. Right? And I'm not saying you can't listen to other kinds of music. We kind of went through that. It was dumb. But God's word richly dwelling in you. In other words, yes, I'm listening more to God's word than my worries and my fears. All right, lastly, here we go. And I'll finish this quickly. I have, I have help from God that I may not see. I am never alone. I'm never really at risk. And I am never without recourse, resource, or reassurance. Listen to this. Recourse. Cast your cares on him. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
Remember last week I talked about casts sheep? Remember when sheep, their wool gets heavy, they lay down, they end up like turtles upside down and can't help themselves? That's a great analogy here for this week. The Bible says to cast. So you can either be a cast sheep, that's what that's called, cast. You need to be a cast sheep or a casting sheep. You can either carry all the burdens and worries and end up on your back not able to do anything, or you can cast them onto him. You can, and cast doesn't mean to slough them off. It means chuck them, throw them, get rid of them. Put your cares on him. It doesn't mean you don't act responsibly. You do what you got to do. It means the end results are up to him because you've given to him and you're not carrying them anymore. That's what we're telling. Let me read another scripture about that for you. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yes, we can give our request to God. We do it with thanksgiving, knowing that God hears us and will answer. You have recourse, even when it doesn't seem like you do. You have resources. Seek God first. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek to know him first. If I seek to know God first, this other stuff will be in perspective. God will take care of it. It'll be all right. And then reassurance. He's got this. Romans 8, 31, you definitely want to memorize this. If God is for us, who could be against us? If God is for us, who can? Seriously, what is it that you're facing that's bigger than God? What is it you're facing? It may be painful. It may be awful. I'm not denying any of that. I'm just saying God is bigger. God's love is more powerful, and God is available to help you deal with it. So today, today we're going to sing that song again, and we're going to sing it as a prayer, as an affirmation that, God, you are my Father, and you are bigger than anything, anything that would come against me, and I am safe in your arms. Let's stand together. Band, you guys hiding back there somewhere. Come on out. Let's stand. I want you to sing this together, and I want you to own it. I want you to learn it. And I want to get it stuck in your brain. And because I want you to live according to this this week. So let's sing together. I love that song. It's so simple and it's so powerful. And my prayer is that not one of you will walk out of here today with worry and fear and anxiety. Yes, there are tough things in the world, but God is greater. We must live in that. We must live according to that. This week on your way out, stop by, buy some pumpkins, help support the deal. Those little kids at Cute Outfits, dump some monies in there for them, help them out. And you guys have a great week. God bless.